my Govanin. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek. And one of the topics that tends to come up a lot in discussions of racism involving the Lord of the Rings is Faramir's comments to Frodo about the threefold division of men into high men, middle men, and men of the shadow. And for some reason, I'm not exactly sure I understand why, because if you think about it, it doesn't make any sense. A lot of people think that classifying the Numenorians as high men, and then some other men as middlemen, and then others as men of the shadow is somehow racist. The reason I don't understand this is because the middlemen and the high men are effectively all the same race. <laughs> and there's, it's not even really clear that men of the shadow are not necessarily of the same race. Uh, and I'll explain that as I get into it. But I want to explore what Faramir is actually saying with this line, because when you actually pay attention to what he's talking about and you understand the history behind the line, it's much less about race and much more about history and the things that happen to these different groups of peoples in their histories. So I want to take a look at that. Now the main point to consider here is the actual context of Faramir's line. And he's talking to Frodo about, you know, the history of Numenor and how, you know, their interactions with Rohan and all that stuff kind of developed over time. And he says, For so we reckon men in our lore, calling them the High, or men of the West, which were Numenorians, and the Middle Peoples, men of the Twilight, such as are the Rohirrim and their kin that dwell still in the north, far in the north, and the Wild, the men of darkness. Yet now, if the Rohirrim are grown in some ways more like to us, enhanced in arts and gentleness, we too have become more like to them, and can scarce claim any longer the title High. We are become middlemen of the Twilight, but with memory of other things. For as the Rohirrim do, we now love war and valor as things good in themselves, both as a sport and an end, and though we still hold that a warrior should have more skills and knowledge than only the craft of weapons and slaying, we esteem a warrior nonetheless above men of other crafts. Such is the need of our days. So even was my brother Boromir, a man of prowess, and for that he was accounted the best man in Gondor. And very valiant indeed he was. No heir of Minas Tirith has for long years been so hardy in toil, so onward into battle, or blown a mightier note on the great horn. So, there's already some interesting hints here about what Faramir actually means when he makes this distinction between high, middle, and men of the darkness, or whatnot. And some of the hints that we get have much more to do with culture than with actual ethnic background. And one of those cultural aspects is very much tied into what Faramir says to Frodo in more or less the same context about not loving the sword for its sharpness or, you know, the arrow for its swiftness, but loving only that which they defend. Faramir takes a dim view of the idea that, you know, warriors are kind of the peak of a culture. And he recognizes that Gondor has kind of become similar to Rohan in that it does value warriors over much. And so when he's making the distinction between high, middle, and men of darkness, is he actually saying anything about the races of men being inferior? No, he's talking about the cultures of different types of men having 
better or worse values is what he's really getting at. A lot of people take this line and think that he's saying, well, Numenorians are just better than everybody. They're longer lived. They're this, that, and the other. And therefore, you know, Numenorians are a, a better race and therefore farmers being racist. No, he's not saying that the Numenorians are better because they live longer or because they have better genetics. He's saying they're better because their values were different. And this is where we get into the history. Why do these different groups of people have their different sets of values? One of the things Faramir tells Frodo in the context of all this is that the Rohirrim and some other groups of men who are still in the north, as he says, they're actually related to the same people as the men of Gondor, the Numenorians. And this goes back all the way to the First Age and the wars you know, over the Silmarils, because when the men who first come into Beleriand meet the elves, those three houses of men, which become known as the Edain, they end up being trained by the elves, they learn a lot from the elves, their entire culture is basically transformed by their contact with the elves of, you know, in Beleriand. And, you know, some of these men had also met other elves, you know, further east, but those elves had never been to Valinor, they had never seen the light of the trees, they had either abandoned the march to the west, or were those who had never even set out on the journey. And so they didn't know as much as the Noldor who were, you know, who had returned to Beleriand to fight against Morgoth, and they had less to teach, therefore, and were just in some ways less mighty than those who had been in Valinor, seen the light of the trees and all that stuff. We get elements of this. So those men who ended up in Beleriand ended up fighting in the wars of Beleriand, and a large number of them got wiped out. You know, very little of the House of Beor was left alive by the end of the First Age, and most of those who were were those who had intermarried with the other two houses, the Houses of Hador and the House of Haleth. And that's, you know, like of, of Beor's original group of people who were living in the region of Dorthonian, Baron was kind of the only one left, except for a few who made it out as refugees. So there's a lot of those people who died off. The House of Hador had some more survivors. There were some from the House of Haleth who had survivors, such as in the forests of Brethil. But the ones who ended up surviving, most of them, but not all, ended up sailing west to Numenor at the end of the First Age, which was a gift given by the Valar. And they were also gifted with other blessings, such as longer life and other things like that. And, you know, as a result, they became kind of a separate group of people, but they're ultimately the same race as those who stayed behind in Beleriand, which ultimately they had to move east because Beleriand sank beneath the ocean. And the Rohirrim, for example, being golden-haired and tall, and, you know, seem probably to be relatives of the people of Hador. They're probably of that same kind of group of people. Are they exactly the same group of people, just the remnants who stayed behind? That's not 100% clear, but they at least seem to be close relatives. And they're considered middlemen. Why? Well, we could explain that in one of two ways. If they are the people of Hador who just didn't go, they're middle because they stayed behind and kind of lost touch with their 
connection with the elves and whatever. Because as we can tell from, you know, just the few comments we get from Eomer and Theoden and some other people in Rohan, it seems like they take a dim view of elves. They're very kind of superstitious about them. And they have other things about their culture that are just, you, they don't have the kind of elvish connection that the people of Gondor have, you know, by the time that even of the end of the Third Age. The people of Gondor, still speaking as a fairly common practice, Cinder and Elvish, and they still have a lot of other connections to elves and whatnot. They are, Denethor is at least familiar with what Imladris is and roughly where on the map it is. Would anybody in Rohan know that? I doubt it. They're aware of Lothlorien and Galadriel, but that's probably largely because they're close to it and because their people passed right by that forest when they came from the north to aid Gondor before they were given the land of Rohan to live in in the first place. So there's, you know, the the fact that they're called middlemen is not because they are a separate race of people. They seem to be very much the same race of people. They're certainly not Easterlings, and they're certainly not Haradrim. They look like the House of Hador, even if they're not actually of the House of Hador. But they're called middlemen because their practices, their culture, their, you know, the way that they view the world and the way that they behave is not as informed as the men of Numenor. And the men of Numenor, we have to remember, not only are they direct descendants of the men who were closest to the elves, they made contact with the elves, you know, for most of Numenor's history. After a while, they, you know, the evil kings of Numenor kind of cut that off, forbade elves from coming to Numenor and that sort of thing. But for a long time, Numenor maintained very good relationships with elves, both in Tol Eresia and also in Middle-earth with King Gilgalad. So... They have a history of connecting with elves even after moving to Numenor, and much of their culture, traditions, and history is still tied up in all of that. And the elves of the West, the High Elves, are still kind of the pinnacle of civilization in Tolkien's Middle-earth. That's, you know, those are the, the people who are most aware of the true history of Middle-earth, how, you know... Arda was created, the values of Eru Iluvatar and, you know, all of the Valar, all of those things are best known to the Noldor who came back from Valinor because they lived there, quite literally. Galadriel was born in Valinor. She had probably spoken directly to many of the Valar. I mean, these High Elves know a great deal of things that nobody else could possibly know in Middle-earth, just for the simple reason that they were in Valinor and had spoken directly to the Valar and Maiar who lived there. So, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about Numenorians originally, according to Faramir, not valuing warriors to the point of them being like the, the best men in the culture. They had greater, you know, men who were considered greater than warriors because a war is a necessity. It's not something to value in and of itself. And you can see this in some of Numenor's history because Numenor in its early days had no need for war, didn't really engage in a whole lot of warlike activities at all. 
the first major thing they took up that we would even consider close to that would be when they started doing a lot of sailing, and mariners became more and more important, and that, of course, really sped up under the reign of Aldarion, and even slightly before he became king, but in the story of Aldarion and Arendis, we get the idea that, you know, he really brings mariners to great prominence, and it's kind of ambiguous that that's even a good thing. It's like, yes, it's nice to be a mariner, but should they be so important that, you know, that they're just like the preeminent men in society? And there's nothing wrong with sailing, obviously, but it becomes more and more martial over time to the point where, by the end of the Second Age, their navy is a tool of war, just like everything else in Numenor tends to become. So, that is kind of a distinction between the high and the middle men. What about the men of darkness, the wild men? Well, there's a lot of different people we could probably classify in that group. The Druidine are probably wild men by Faramir's understanding. The Woses that Theoden and the Rohirrim meet in the woods of Anorian that Mary observes are probably wild men, but they're not bad guys. But what makes them wild are men of darkness. Probably just the fact that they don't really know anything about elves or anything else. And we can kind of pick up on this from Ghanburigan's discussion with Theoden Eomer, he doesn't seem particularly interested in things that go on outside his little forest domain. He doesn't seem knowledgeable about much of anything other than he knows that there's kind of a shadow in the east. And he has some vague knowledge of a history of this shadow existing in the past. But we don't get the impression that he really knows much of anything about elves or any of the real details of the history or any of this kind of thing. And so he's probably, almost certainly I would say, probably a, a wild men or men of darkness in Farmer's classification. Does that make him a lesser race of man? I don't see why we would have to say that, you know, given what Faramir tells us and explains. If we go further east or further south, certainly we would encounter peoples that Faramir would consider wild men or men of the darkness. But what darkness are we talking about? Now, we have to be careful here because a lot of times in Tolkien, light and dark are opposed and are metaphors for good and evil. And that's a thing that's just common in you know Western culture in our own modern world. And a lot of that comes from Judeo-Christian traditions and things of that nature, but Tolkien, when he talks about darkness, doesn't just mean evil, and when he talks about light, doesn't just mean moral good. Light is a good thing in and of itself, but he's not also going to say that darkness is a bad thing in and of itself. Remember, the elves were born in the twilight of the stars, and before Morgoth created enough evil things to make the dark fearful, the dark was a perfectly fine place to be. So, Tolkien, when he talks about light and dark, sometimes is also using the dichotomy of the light of the trees versus the dark of Middle-earth, and the knowledge and informedness, we might say, that comes along with those two things, which... If you have been to the Light of the Trees, if you have been in Amman, or have seen and met with those who have been there, you are going to be 
more enlightened. That's a specific, you know, word that has, you know, a specific meaning, and that meaning is connected to light for a reason. You know, when you are enlightened, you can see more, you know more, you understand more. So the people who have met those who have been to the West, at least, even if they never go to the West themselves, are more likely to understand more, to know more, to have better you know, connection with reality as it is, rather than living in superstition or just plain ignorance. And so this is why even the Grey Elves, you know, the Sindar in Beleriand, are better off than the Elves who never came even that far west, because Melian and Thingol, who had both been in Valinor, seen the light of the trees, and Melian, of course, being a Maya, you know, they could benefit the culture of the Sindar in ways that the elves who had never seen, you know, any of that could never be benefited. So when he says the men of darkness or wild men, I think he's literally just saying they have not been exposed to the kinds of things that the Edine were exposed to and, you know, the elves of the West were exposed to or even the Grey Elves were exposed to. It's kind of a classification along the same lines as, you know, you have the Elves of the Light, the Kalaquindi, who actually go to Valinor. You have, you know, the Grey Elves, who are kind of in a twilight zone, which, you know, doesn't count Thingol, but basically everybody under Thingol. And then you have the Dark Elves, who are just straight up, they've never had any exposure to, uh, not Numenor, uh, Valar, Valinor, or the Light of the Trees, or any of that. I think it's really the same classification, just applied to men. It's not a classification that's made just for men along racial lines. Remember, all the elves come from the same place. They all came from, you know, the shores of a lake far in the east. It's just that some made it further west than others, and that's how we get the distinction between high elves, gray elves, and dark elves. Wait. Did I just say High Elves, Grey Elves, and Dark Elves? Think about that for a minute. High men, Numenorians, they came as far west as any man could get, pretty much. Middlemen, or men of the twilight, which is very much like Grey. And then men of darkness, or wild men. It's the same exact classification, just applied to men versus elves. But it's the same thing. It's ultimately all about this distinction between how far west did you make it and therefore how much were you exposed to in terms of being informed in your knowledge of the world, gaining wisdom from those who had wisdom to impart, that sort of thing. Now, a lot of the time what we think of is the Easterlings and the Haradrim are always just the bad guys and you know, if you want to take one view of it, that's just a racist thing that Tolkien did. If you want to take another view of it, which I do, it's those peoples who happened to be nearest Sauron were the easiest for him to control, partially because they had never been far enough west to know better. And the thing we have to remember here is Middle-earth goes on a long ways. We don't know exactly where it stops, and we don't know how close to the eastern edge of Middle-earth Mordor is. But it's a fair bet it's not that close. So there's probably vast lands beyond Mordor that Sauron never had influence over because he can't reach that far. 
And so all of those men would be considered wild men or men of the darkness, but they wouldn't be under the sway of Sauron and therefore wouldn't be, you know, evil or bad guys or whatever we want to categorize them as. They're just out there and ignorant of what's going on further west where all of the wisdom and beauty of Valinor have not permeated, you know, far enough to the east for them to be exposed. That's really the only distinction. If Sauron had never set up shop in Mordor, all of those men to the east and south would still have been considered men of darkness or wild men by Faramir's classification. It wouldn't change a thing, because the reason the category is there has nothing to do with who they are. It's what they've learned, what they've been exposed to, and the kinds of things that, that therefore has their culture value. The Numenorians have a better culture, not because they're better people, but because they've been exposed to the wisdom of the elves who have been in Valinor. And therefore, they, you know, not only just have more knowledge and wisdom in a kind of practical sense, but also have more wisdom in the sense that the elves have some more wisdom, especially, you know, after their early years when they were a little bit hot-headed, let's say, <laughs> and understand that some things are to be valued more than, you know, getting revenge on, say, a Dark Lord who took your favorite jewels. <laughs> the the men of Numenor are wiser because they have had the learning of wiser beings than themselves to learn from. The middlemen are kind of in a middle category. They're in the Twilight Zone. And I keep saying Twilight Zone is kind of a joke. They're the men of the Twilight, is what Faramir calls them. They're in the middle because they have had some exposure to these things, but not enough to really be fully, you know, inculcated in that kind of a culture, which is why the men of Rohan are still kind of suspicious of elves and don't really feel comfortable about them. The men of the east, you know, further east and further south you go, the more you get into the wild men and the men of the men of darkness category, and those are people who have just never been, again, enlightened. They have not been exposed to the kind of light or illumination, education, we might say, that the men of the West have had. That's really the only distinction Faramir is making. If you look at what he actually says, he never says anything about race. He never says anything about, you know, the only thing he says about race is that, you know, our, you know, our scholars think that the men of Rohan are akin to our people, which tells you they're, they're not a separate race. Uh, so this is the real key point here. Faramir is not making any kind of a distinction about the type of people they are. They're, he's making a distinction about what they know, what they've been exposed to, what their culture is as a result of that exposure. So when he talks about the three categories of men, as I say, he's really just recapitulating the three categories of elves between light elves or high elves, depending on how you want to call them, the gray elves of the, you know, the elves of twilight, the Sindar, and the dark elves who never came as far as Beleriand under the rule of Thingol and Melian. And that would include the green elves of Assyrian and, you know, most of the elves of Mirkwood and many of the elves of Lothlorien. They become more informed as, you know, the Sindar or the Noldor come further east and mingle with them. 
but they were never bad guys. The Green Elves of Assyrian kind of did their own thing, and they were never under Thingol, but they were never bad guys, and they weren't considered a separate race. Same thing with men. Any group of men who came from the east further west and became adapted into the western culture would effectively be considered, you know, high men or middle men, because as Faramir says, these categories are kind of fluid. The men of Gondor have fallen from being high men and are now more men of the twilight. And Rohan has been somewhat, you know, improved by its connection to Gondor such that they're no longer just middlemen. They're kind of middlemen plus. So it's not like these categories are even hard delineations. They can be kind of bent around the edges at a minimum and arguably... You know, let's say the the Black Numenorians who followed Sauron in its later years, you could probably just straight up call them men of darkness because at that point, you know, they're they're just straight up evil and their culture is no longer that of the kind of people who have been informed by the Noldor, the High Elves. They're no longer in that category because they have rejected all of what made them High Men in the first place. So you might say that they're really just kind of like middlemen minus because they're not wild men. They still have a lot of the trappings of civilization and they still have a lot of the the learning, the practical knowledge and that sort of thing. But they're certainly not high men anymore. Faramir doesn't even consider Gondorians high men anymore. The black Numenorians certainly cannot aspire to that title. Nevertheless, they're Numenorians. You know, and I'm... Yeah, I realize Faramir doesn't say this about the Black Numenorians, but I think if you pay attention to what he says, this is a pretty clear implication of what he's saying. So, these lines are not divided based on race or ethnicity or anything else. They're completely about the knowledge and culture of the peoples that he's talking about. So, I wanted to get into this basically to dispel the notion that this has anything to do with race, but also just to explore what Faramir means by this. Because on its surface, if you just read it over and don't think about it, it's not really clear what he means. But once you understand the backdrop of the Silmarillion and that distinction between light elves, dark elves, and the twilight elves of the Sindar, and you can see how that mirrors the same distinctions that Faramir seems to be making with his division of men, it all becomes a lot more clear what he's trying to say. He's making distinctions here that have nothing to do with the you know innate nature of the men that he's talking about. He's talking about you know the kinds of things they value, the kinds of things that they do on a regular basis. So that's my explanation of Faramir's trifecta of the high men, the men of twilight, and the wild men, or men of darkness. Hope that was helpful. If it was, please give me a thumbs up. You can find all my social links in the description below, as usual. At Twitter, I drop occasional Tolkien-related trivia questions if you want to hop over there for some fun. And until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namarie. Thanks to all supporters of the channel, especially Elf Friends P.A. Brew News, Tracy Meehan, Nathan Dufour, and Paul Leone.